It's Sunday, and have we got a story for you. Welcome to Stories Unlimited with your host, Dave Casey, coming to you from the same town Ferris Bueller lived in and living on the same street where they shot Cameron's home. So uh, we got a excellent segue into our Sick Day brought podcast. Don, Don Woodard, where are you at? I'm uh, here in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, where uh, where we filmed The Last of the Mohicans and any other number of other forests, not lake forest, but real forests, a.k.a. the the land of the sky. I don't know exactly. If you ask 100 people who lived in Asheville what the town slogan is, Maybe twelve people would know. It's it's known as the <laughs> land of the sky. Which, by the way, I isn't every town the land of the sky. I, I, I unless you're I in know. a cave. I, I do know Ham's beer comes from the land of blue sky water. Yes, it does. I I, I uh, unfortunately though it's not. Uh, we have many beers here. We don't make hams. <laughs> and we have many <laughs> beers available here, and hams ain't one of them. No, I bet you could find a lot of good hams beer art up where you live in the Midwest. There's yes, yes. A, a plethora of of uh, posters and lighted uh, uh, clocks and uh, all, all kinds of great. Uh, all the uh, somebody had to make those. That's the- and back in the '60s and '70s, the voice of hams beer was none other than Doug McClure. Now, can you tell me what TV show he was on? Uh, was he on the Virginian? Oh, perfect! That is so good. Without yeah. any, without any prompting, he nails it. Well, I, you know, I, I know you guys did a TV episode previously. I, I even think I had a couple of corrections I, I wanted to throw in because, I, frankly, sadly, uh, I, I don't think there was a day of my life in my youth that I spent away from the television. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, when I see like you know the Apple sends you the uh, the screen time every week, you know weekly screen time, and I go, well, that's a lot, but it's not not as much as it was when I was a kid watching television. (laughs) (laughs) And and was the Virginian Rick Jason? Was that his name? Rick Jason is that? Are you? you, No, it doesn't sound familiar. Okay, is that a character or an actor? What do you What do you ask? An actor. I, wasn't Rick Jason on Combat? Now I know, think now he I did gotta... double duty. I think he oh. was on both. Interesting. I wasn't much of a Virginian fan. We were a we were a Bonanza household. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Virginian. We didn't. You know. Uh, uh, we didn't try to. Uh, uh, you didn't. Cotton we didn't make it a point show. to be home for the Virginian. We did for Bonanza. You didn't cotton to that show, as they say down <laughs> south. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that, uh, yeah. Hey, I, I'm, I'm going to, uh, the, the next sound you hear, uh, is the opening of a, uh, a, a can of, of sparkling water. Oh, Thank you. nice. Uh, just to kind of get my, uh, I've been, uh, I've been under the weather, uh, uh, the last few days. Um, which is know, exactly the- why you came up with the fabulous <laughs> idea. It doesn't require a lot of imagination or work on my part to think of, uh, hey, what should we talk about? Whatever it is right in front of me. You're sounding pretty darn good for somebody who's been battling flu-like symptoms. I'm better. I'm I'm much better. I think it was uh, this thing, uh, uh, RSV, uh, whatever that is, uh, lasts about 10 days. It's respiratory. uh, I probably could or should have gone to see... uh, 
a doctor to get some antibiotics. I, although I don't, I think it's a virus, right? That's the V. So maybe there it isn't. It isn't uh, antibacterial. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I'll start the conversation by by saying, uh, you know, th th that damned internet. Uh, that's part of the problem, of course, is is sort of thinking you know what you have. Uh, uh, I used to have a friend. 30 plus years ago, who was a classic hypochondriac, classic. Oh, yeah. and another buddy and I would, would go to his place and, and in his, his, his office, he would have a, uh, a book of uh, medical, uh, I don't know, I can't even remember what the name of it was. It was fairly common. It was like, you know, three inches thick. Of New every England symptom, journal of medical, something. some kind of big, you know, Bible of, of illnesses and symptoms and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, like the Encyclopedia Britannica has gone the way of, of, of the dodo. But uh, uh, and, 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 and my friend and I would always kid about it and go like, if you're a hypochondriac, that's the last thing that you that's need the, on your desk. Yes, but of course, every, but everything now, everybody read. has it. Everybody has that 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 book on their desk in their computer. So, you know, I, first of all, can you imagine? The doctors, I, I always get about this when I see my GP. I, it, it, I just go like, "What? What does it mean?" And you know, for for people who have this access, and he says, "You know, everyone is self-diagnosing. Everybody knows exactly yes. what they have. You know, you just like you and, just got to go, uh huh." All all passages lead to the big C. I mean, that's, that's... <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. To one extreme or the other, yes. There at least you know from everything to to uh, you know people you know, just saying instantly the day they wake up with a sniffle that's what they have to people who at the very least like me it's in the back of your mind. I mean, you know, it, it, yeah. it's probably not anything bad, but you never know. Never know, never know, and these books will take you right there. It's like Psych 101 when I took it at Carolina. Every time, <laughs> every time we read about a psychological disorder, you say, oh, well, well, that I do that. I must have that psychological disorder. I'm not worried about the physical disorders, but the psychological disorder, I think I'm on the spectrum of about. Well, especially in college. I mean, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, what do you know? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not getting a lot of sleep either. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> name it, <laughs> name a symptom. And, uh, you know, it's like, that's, oh, wow. I guess maybe I do have multiple personalities. Yeah. Uh, you know. It couldn't be the Everclear, could it? <laughs> exactly. So we were thinking, uh, you know, at least starting with with uh, I, I would I would subtitle this uh, ailments and, and boo boos, because I think as, as, as much as, you know, I'm sure everybody has a history of childhood, uh, you know, uh, uh, colds and tonsils and all that stuff. There are also a good number of accidents that what that must be dealt with as well. So I, I want to open up the discussion to, uh, to both of those circles and hopefully uh, cross into a nice size Venn diagram shaded area. Well, well I've got a tonsil story and that is th this, I had the crazy, I had my tonsils out on my ninth, uh, like a week before my ninth birthday. Oh, what a gift. And 
I was taken to the University of Penn Hospital because I had an uncle who worked in that hospital. And I don't think he had any connections other than he came to see me as I was going under from, you know, going ready, getting ready to go into, wheeled into surgery. And my uncle tapped me on the shoulder and said, you got this or, you know, some kind of encouragement. And I went into La La Land thinking, well, Uncle David's got it covered. I'm good. I'm good to go. No, it's your namesake, I guess, right? Yes, he was my namesake. But he had, well, I was going to be named Peter, but the neighbors got a dog and named it Pete. And my mom just couldn't bear, she couldn't cotton to having her son named the same thing as my neighbor's dog. Well, think of the confusion on the cul-de-sac when people are calling out Pete. I was going to be named after a different relative, Peter McDonald Casey, but it it became David McDonald Casey uh, once, once Petey next door came running and barking uh, and squatting on our front yard. But the... The tonsil story is quite wild. I don't know what kind of connections my uncle had, but they had nothing to do with how I was treated once I got there. They put me in this room, and I mean, this room had to have 50 kids in it. It was it was like a gymnasium filled of large cribs. For, sounds like like cider house rules or something. yes it was it was just all these large hospital cribs and i mean cribs they had sides on them they weren't hospital beds like we Cages. have today they were like okay there's a lot of children let's make sure there's some you know ribbed for extra protection so they don't get out well i'm in this huge room that was bad enough here comes the the the, the coup de gras or whatever it was Late at night, the night before I'm about to get my tonsils taken out, they've got, they're, it's like they're delivering babies in the center of this room. Because <laughs> you're hearing all these glaring lights behind, but there's like a shower curtain. You can't quite see what's going on. You just see a ton of light basking within that shower curtain, and you hear bloody screaming. For hours, people were, kids were screaming, and I didn't know enough about babies, but it sounded like they were delivering babies in there. Now, I'm pretty sure they weren't, but they could have been dismembering babies, and it was nuts. So I couldn't get any sleep, and nobody could. So I look at the kid next to me, and I'm like, we got to get out of this place, to quote the animal song. And we, 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 we navigated over the bars of our crib slithered down quietly, stuck close to the other cribs, and we snuck out of the room. And we're, and we have, it's late, it's got to be three in the morning, something it's like, like that. This is, this is Stalag 17. Oh, this, <laughs> I've never seen anything like it before or since, but I was only sick once as a kid when I had my tonsils out, so I didn't spend a lot of time in hospitals. But what we did was we snuck out of this room and we go down these hallways with nobody in them because it's the, it's the middle of the night. And if we'd see it, if we'd see like an orderly or something, we duck into the nearest door and just stick there and wait for them to pass. And then we'd go back out and we were exploring this hospital, having the time of of our lives just it was exciting it was new it, it, it we knew it was against hospital rules and but finally we did get nailed somebody spotted us and it was like when you, you pass a police car and you think oh maybe we're good and then that police car has been radioed ahead and you're not good and that's how this was we thought we had gotten away and then all of a sudden like dr howard dr fine dr howard came came marching towards us 
and you know gave us the third degree. Where do you belong? And I'm like, I don't know, someplace where they're delivering babies. And uh, so they they take us back to the stalag, and uh, so we have to sit there. So the next day, I get my tonsils out, but then I come to that I stay in in the hospital. I don't, you know, I, probably today you don't even stay in a hospital get your tonsils out. But in yeah. those days, well, I guess I had my adenoids out too, or something else. But it wasn't a big deal. But for some reason, I spent two nights in the hospital, and one of the, the one of the days was great because almost every kid in this big room had something seriously wrong with them. So I was like, you know, like royalty because I had nothing wrong with me basically, just getting my tonsils out. But there were all these kids that were wheelchair bound, and they were having wheelchair races. And I got I got to be the finish line. So I got to call the races and and wave my hand like the checkered flag. And man, did we have a blast. Those kids knew how to make the best of a bad situation because we had a ton of fun in that room. And just, uh, you know, it was better than getting your tonsils out. It was so much fun. You know, I worry sometimes that some of your memories aren't really memories, but just old Shirley Temple movies. Yeah. <laughs> No, there was no tap dancing. There was absolutely no tap dancing. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 interesting because uh, we come from an era. Uh, I had just the opposite thing. I got tonsillitis all the time, all the time. But our doctor, Doctor Saunders, was of the mind that we still don't really know what the purpose of the tonsils are. <laughs> and and so and so we're going to leave them in and that was basically it that, that was and, and i do remember being slightly disappointed is this that, texas is this texas this is texas so this is a precursor to anti-abortion we are not <laughs> you were born with those tonsils and we're not taking them out if yes, it was yes. i'm for not God. sure i don't really know where the legislature stood on it at the time i guess i could go back and look that up uh if it was good <clears> enough <throat> for god it's good enough for texas the the Dad disappointing God. thing about it was i had you know every kid always talked about you know it, the, the the carrot on the stick was you got to eat as much ice cream Sure, as as you wanted, but of course, but the, the 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 asterisk there was you just had your tonsils out. You don't want anything to go down that throat. <laughs> True. Do you remember that at all? Did they give you? I mean, do you remember being in pain? Do you remember them enticing you with ice cream? Here's what I remember. I well, of course, they were like, "Hey, it's going to be fine. You're going to eat nothing but milkshakes and ice cream, you know, for <laughs> for a week." So I'm looking. You know, it's like. It's like the big rock candy mountain. Sure, that sounds <laughs> exactly. Good. Sure. So, but when it happens, you're right. The swap, the act of swallowing, whether it's a milkshake or ice cream, is not pleasant, and it's made doubly unpleasant when your older brother comes up to your room where you're recuperating. Back when I was home and no longer uh, officiating the wheelchair races, mm -hmm. so I'm home alone and. My brother comes up with every snack, every slice of pizza, every, every double deck sandwich, and just going, oh, man, this is good. Oh, this is so good. I think this is the best slice of pizza I've ever eaten. And I'm like, ah, I'm dying a thousand deaths. But, you know, and then when I got a chocolate milkshake, he had one, too. So what yeah. the hell? Yeah, and right. He got his chocolate shake for free. 
No, it's just another it's just another lie, just like yeah. Santa Claus takes a shrinking pill to to go down the air vent if you don't have a chimney. It's all it all contributes to to many years of therapy uh, uh, in the making. Uh, and rampant cynicism as a as a as an adolescent. Yeah. So did you when you did this? Were you uh, was this during the school year? Oh yeah, it was uh, around about November, about November 9th. My birthday's the 14th, so it was like a week ahead of my birthday. And so then you got I, to miss you got to miss class. So I got to miss class. So what that leads to is all the joys of staying home from school, giddy knowing that your classmates are lining up for the morning bell and you're just laying in bed whether you can't at least I didn't have to look at Mrs. Bowman all afternoon. Might have had a catch in my throat, but my God, she was a, a uh, she was a disciplinarian. And uh, Mrs. Hensinger was nice, but not a you know not some you no not somebody you really chose to spend an, a morning and an afternoon with. So that was right. the good part. You're lying at home. Who am I going to spend the morning with? Oh, maybe Andy Griffith. Maybe I'll watch a little Leave It to Beaver. Sure. Um, maybe I'll watch the Dick Van Dyke show. And that, you know, you, you lived on black and white comedies. Hell, I even watched December Bride one or two times. <laughs> it, uh, what was that? Gale Storm. I can't even remember anything but the opening of Gale Storm. Uh, and, and, and so the morning was good. Well, you know, that was always the goal. I mean, you know, yeah. From an early age, you learned, uh, you know, how am I going to finesse this thing into somehow not going into class today? And as you got older, it had more consequences because it was, I don't want to take this test. I'm not ready, whatever. But yeah. even in grade school, I can, I can remember wanting to stay home. I don't even remember why, except I just didn't want to go to school. But yeah. but the, the, my brother had told me that if you take a thermometer and, and rub it, you know, on the sheet. Oh, you, know, you have to wait for your mother to walk out of the room. You know, okay, yeah, keep yeah, this in yeah. your mouth, keep it under your tongue. Yes, ma'am. Pull it out. And then you start rub rubbing it on the sheet. And then of course, you know, you rub it, it generates some heat. You look at it, it's 108. <laughs> so the trick was you got to shake it down. You got to go back and forth and shake it down enough so that it's high enough to miss school, but not so high that, oh, you know, we probably better go see Dr. Saunders. So, <laughs> yes, that was that the was happy, thus the happy medium. Exactly, that was that was the trick. I, you know, I, I there were I had a couple of rare I will I will even use that word uh, ailments as a as a kid. I, you know, listen on, on on the spectrum, neither one <clears throat> was was much, but uh, I had. Uh, I had cat scratch fever. <laughs> you, you know, it, it, there, there, Ted, Ted, Ted Nugent did not come come up with that name out of thin air. There is a oh. such there is such a thing. It's called philanosis. Oh, really? You get it. Uh, you get it from the scratch of a cat. Wow. Uh, I was in fifth, sixth grade by then, and it's like kind of like having the mumps because your lymph nodes swell. Okay. And you have it for a couple of weeks, and the only, it was very uncomfortable. And of course, you know, <laughs> like you know, is that a good thing to tell people you have cat scratch fever, or is that an embarrassing? Yeah, thing? I don't know. I think I probably thought it was pretty cool because I got my picture 
in the American Medical Association Journal. Whoa. Although if you went to look it up, all you'd see is about a five inch square extreme close up of my neck. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's not typically a magazine you're looking to make, you know, make the cover of anyway. Well, at least you could say that look up cat scratch fever and you'll see a picture of Don Woodard because that all, that <laughs> I mean, all ended that in the seventies when Ted Nugent took your place. Exactly. It was, and it was before that song came out. And, and, uh, uh, but I, and I do, it was a big deal. The, the, some photographer from, from the AMA journal or, you know, who'd gotten hired by them came, came to our house and wow. took a couple of pictures and, uh, That's amazing. And then the other thing that I had, I, I had a very traumatic, again, on the spectrum, you know, uh, uh, fifth grade. I, I moved from Texas to uh, Miami, Florida. And, and Miami, Florida was, the kids there were decades ahead of the kids that I spent. You know, I made the, the horrible mistake on the first day of school of going and, you know, wearing white socks and uh, and a, and a tank, <laughs> sleeveless shirt, and, and and I mean, and it took me you know months to get over that. And, my, and, and when I say get over it, I mean before anybody talked to me or didn't you know, yeah. you know, you know. So finally, finally, it's like you know, I, it's my turn to lead the class out during recess, and it was a rotating thing, and it was a big deal. You went to the head of the line, and you know. You, you know, you, uh, you know, the rewards were pretty simple back in those days. And, uh, you know, you go down and we walk down the hallway and we go down the stairs and we go down the other flight of stairs and we walk out onto the recess ground and I break into a trot like, you know, the University of Miami hurricanes coming, you know, <laughs> running into the orange bowl and I step in a hole and break my ankle. <laughs> And so, you know, for the next couple of months, I'm I'm in a cast. Well, at least that got you out of the white socks. <laughs> well, believe me, I did not go back the second day with my white <laughs> socks. I, I did. I was not clueless. Uh, at, le at least, at least once I had been shown the light. Uh, there you go. And then the other thing, uh, uh, the the same category as the cat scratch fever. I hadn't looked this up today because I thought surely this is you know, something that other people have heard of. I had what's called Severs disease. No, no. We had Roy Severs at first base for the Phillies, and he was like a plague. He if like he had Severs disease, he, he would have been on the, the uh, disabled list. Okay. Uh, uh, Severs disease is when, uh, during adolescence, if your, your growth pattern is a little too fast for the rest of your body, uh, your heels... Uh, be, get incredibly sore, oh, where the wow. where the Achilles tendon attaches to the uh, to the uh, 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 heel bone, and uh -huh. uh, that, that's the medical term, the heel bone, and uh, <laughs> and and uh, one in, uh, what was it? Oh, oh, uh, 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 it's 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 fair. It's 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 known as very. It's actually very common, but it's also underreported. Okay. Because, you know, parents, kids, you're not like, oh, yo, you know, just you know, stop, stop running around so much, whatever. And that is what happens. You're, you're, you're too active. 
okay. while these things are growing. And the, but, but the, in my case, the uh, solution by the doctors was to put me on crutches for like six months. So I get off the crutches after the, after the broken ankle and the a week later, fun. I go back onto the crutches and, and, and you had to like kind of rotate. You would do like, you know, for a week you would favor the left leg and then, and then you'd go like, okay, it's all right. This is the second week. So now I'm going to favor the right leg. And you had to kind of, you'd wake up on Monday morning and your mother would go, all right, now remember, you're going to walk on your right leg and you're going to keep your left, your left leg. Up. Oh my God, who so, knew when my parents were throwing money at the March of Dimes, they were supporting you? <laughs> again, again, on, on that spectrum, it, you know, it, it was a recoverable thing. Uh, uh, th- things have happened to, much worse things have happened to, to, to many other people. But, uh, but, but those were my, it was, it did set me back, I think, a little in, emotionally. Yes. Six months in crutches will do a number on your social life in elementary school. And yeah, yeah, as as if there were one. I, I yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I had a roll call that was a little more normal. If you look up mumps, you won't find me in the medical journal. Uh, but you know, I had mumps. I had whooping cough, and I remember my mom yelling at, not yelling, but scolding me when I told a classmate I had uh, whooping cough. She was like, don't tell anybody you have that. They won't let you back in school. And my mom couldn't wait to get me out of the damn house and back in the, back in the school population. She was fearful that the school wouldn't allow me back in after three days. <laughs> my folks, My folks were the opposite of yours. If I complained that my heels hurt, they would have said, well, stay off them. And then, <laughs> I, I don't know. Somehow they knew. Somehow my, my mother was a chemistry teacher, so there was some okay. some yeah. science. Yeah. Which, by the way, I you know, so I, I say that, and you know, could that thermometer trick have ever really worked? I, I, you yeah, know, I don't. I think it's like your ashtray story where, you know, they, they, they go along with it just to humor you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. When you had that day off, whether it was a real sickness or you were faking you were sick, you had the day planned ahead of you because there were only three TV stations. So right. you knew, the only thing to do basically was to lay in bed because you had to either pretend you were sick or you really were sick. So you couldn't right. go out play baseball you had to no. stay in bed and act right. like you were you know so you, you had the comedies the old sitcom reruns in the morning which led to the dreaded afternoon early afternoon of soap operas on Ugh. all stations there was no workaround you right. were forced there was that's when you would sort of slither out of bed hope your mom didn't hear you and you would start playing games and you're you know and you know ma- i would make up games and start playing these games you know with, with like baseball cards right same. I, I had a game called basket did you ever have that with these levers and the ping pong ball you would shoot it into actual baskets at each end of yes the game? yes I, I did I didn't remember the name yeah. but I do recall uh, uh, the, yeah. I, I, I would spend I would spend time now for some reason I kept the soap operas on in the background just in the hopes that they would all of a sudden you know become a comedy somehow but you know it never worked but I would be playing basket I would religiously get that feel for every lever on the court 
so that when I had babysitters come over, I could kick their ass in basketball <laughs> and feel superior, you know, 10 years older and I'm still kicking your ass at basket. No wonder they all hated me. But, <laughs> but then after the soap operas, there was the somewhat of a relief you'd get the hit and miss game shows some of them could be decent in fact there was one that was like a paradise in the middle of the soap operas and that was password it would come on around noon and you would have a half hour of no soap operas and you watch alan ludden uh doing password and that as somebody who became a writer you know words i just got off on you know that those word clues were lots of fun oh sure in fact, my family always played Password. We uh, That was like one of our, you know, Tuesday night, nothing's on TV, let's play Password. Who but, was that guy who went, the Password is evergreen? It was just like, the Password is Inkwell. <laughs> I think it was Dr. Westhouse or Stockhouse. Something May, like yeah, that, because yeah. he was the one that they would uh, ask if, oh, was that clue legal? We'll have to ask Dr. Stockhouse. Mm. But but then you would get these shows like the Newlywed Game, which were like, sometimes they were funny, sometimes they were boring. You never knew what you were going to get with the Newlywed Game. And maybe uh, you got the joke, maybe you got the innuendo, yes. and you didn't. Yeah, half of them were going over my head, probably. That be in the butt, Bob. I never, you know, if I heard that, I wouldn't have known what they were talking about. <laughs> and then, then you had to tell the truth, where you had these celebrities who you never heard of, and there was right. always Kitty Carlisle, who was so old that even my parents didn't know who she was. It was I don't know. She was famous once, and I'm like, right. okay, whatever. But she right. she was she was weird because she, she was married to Moss Hart, by the way. She was the, oh. the New York writer Moss Hart. But otherwise, okay. yeah. Well, anybody outside of, of you know New York City, why why would no. you ever know who that was? Yeah, and she had been in a couple of Marx Brother movies. I found out like twenty years after. Exactly. And then my favorite was the match game with Gene Rayburn. He had this mic that was like sixteen feet long. He, he would hold it. And, you know, it was, it was just, I never saw anybody else with a mic like this. And he had this crazy haircut and he had this weird sense of humor. But the people on there, they have Joe Garagiola, who was a baseball player and had a good sense of humor. I like Joe Garagiola. And then they would have Mamie Van Doren or Mimi Van Doren or Jane Mansfield. They'd always have like one of those sex pot, you know, sex symbols. And sure. you know, low-cut dress, and you're all over that as a kid going, yeah, yeah, that beats Kitty Carlisle by a mile. <laughs> and, and then it would get to be late enough in the day if you were faking it. You could tell your mom, you know, I'm feeling a little better. Maybe I, could, maybe I can go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then half the time I would get a stern no, and another half of the time when I think my mom knew I was BSing the whole time, she couldn't wait to get me out of the house. Sure, go ahead, play baseball. I don't care. Get out of here. Because <laughs> by that time, all the other kids were out of school. Right. And the gig yeah, was I, up. If you I were faking it. being sick, you know, the functionality had ended by 3.30. It was a fine line. I mean, you, you're absolutely right. You had to kind of walk this tightrope of 
I'm not well enough to get out there and, and do certainly not well enough to go to school. But, uh, you know, after a while, after so many hours, you know, yes. even school kind of looked good. So it was like, <laughs> how am I, I going to get out and do You can only play so many. Well, I had this game called, uh, oh, God, it was awesome, called Photo Electric Football. Oh, I don't know. It's not what you think. It's not the uh, where the little players move around and buzz. Okay, that's and, what we you know, had. That, that's a, and that, that, that was I hope that, that's a whole other game that I didn't have, but my friends always did, and you lost patience with it after five minutes. Uh, <laughs> or your hearing. This, you lost your this hearing. This thing, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think I, I have the, the words to describe it. It was a light box. It was like about the size of two shoe boxes side by side. And it had a light bulb in the box. And then on top of it, you had a, you could pull a slide out parallel to the ground and it would, the light bulb would be revealed and then you'd close it back up. Well, then someone had offense and someone had defense and they were these cards and it was the size of a sheet of paper. Okay. And they were just thin enough. So you picked your, you put your offense and you put the offense down and then you laid your defense down and then you slid back the slide and the light would reveal and 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 the diagram of the offense would start moving in a straight line and then zigzag left zigzag Holy right or it would, or pass in a dotted line and your defense the way it was positioned that would be the tackle if a line ran into it or if a dotted line ran into it it was an interception Oh, how did I miss out on this game? It was fabulous. I mean, I'm telling you, that thing kept me occupied. I, you know, you talk about you know Tetris or or you know candy yeah. or whatever. And, you know, the, the the new game is. I'm sure that <laughs> the ten year old game now. Uh, I, I could have played that for hours. And of course, you know, I would never uh, have gone to school. A little boy of course, alone. You have to have somebody to play. Well, against. but what you well no no what you did <laughs> the sad 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 thing is <laughs> l- listeners will remember my uh, some of my stories about being influenced by movies where kids are left alone. Uh, oh yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> my abandonment issues. You you would you would take an offensive play and you know pick that at random, or no you pick, no I'm sorry you pick the offensive play that you wanted yeah. to play and then you. You just kind of shuffle through the defense and lay Uh-oh. lay one at random. Well, that's so. how the Eagles play defense. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've been very good about not bringing that up. There, you have been. You've been a saint. <laughs> so yeah, so there. I mean, but there were certainly. I mean, just at, at a certain point, you kind of went. Was it worth it? Yeah, I guess it was worth it missing a day of school. Yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? Even if you were faking being sick, it was a long, dark day at TV. You know, TV can only entertain you so much. And your, yeah. your own games, no matter how exciting they are, when that, when th- as giddy as you are around 8.30 or whenever that morning bell was ringing about a quarter mile away from home and all those suckers were lining up to face the day with Miss Bowman, as good right. as you were feeling there, by three thirty, you were like ready to be released into the world. And please, sunshine, let me go out and play whatever right. my my friends are playing. Well, Even the, land, you were... the landmine, the landmine, number two for me. Again, you can't be so sick that you go to the doctor. That's I guess there's no. three. That one. You can't be so sick that it requires cough syrup <laughs> because, because back then 
There was one flavor. They called it cherry. I, you know, I it was it was like no cherry I'd ever eaten. Uh, it had a horrible aftertaste. It coated your throat. It, yeah. you know, and then like you know, and, and you know, my mom would go like, "Don't drink any water. You want it to stay on your throat like that." You know, she's like, ugh, ugh, ugh. And then the <laughs> other, the other, the other horrible one was Vicks Vapor Rub. <laughs> you didn't want them to. I, my grandmother used that a lot. If I was staying over at her house, which I did quite a bit in certain certain years of my life. That was her solution to just about everything. I mean, it, it you know, you'd have the, the, the blue jar yeah. and she, she would give it, well, you know, she'd rub it on your chest. So just what you wanted, like this really burning, smelly, <laughs> sticky stuff, like, you know, on you. And that's, you know, and then I, you know, you want to just like put a, put your pajamas back on. No, no, no. That'll rub it off. You know, you just like leave it open like that. And, you're just like you're freezing to death. You yes. want to pull the covers up. No, no, you can't pull the covers up. Yet. You're no breathing in mustard gas. <laughs> I'm sure it's I'm sure it's what the Germans used in WW1. So <laughs> so so and but my this is the I've never heard of anybody else doing this. My grandmother would take a dab on, on her finger and she would give it to you orally. Oh, wait a second. Yeah. That's not even legal in Texas. <laughs> I'm telling you, it it is there. Uh, you know, look, Dave, Dave. There are many reasons I've been in therapy for many years, but that and then that's certainly one of them. I think this is the reason your family had to move to Florida. <laughs> there were other reasons for that too, frankly. Whoa. But yes, yes, I, I. So, so you really, you cannot, you cannot. Uh, yes, you had to walk. You can't ring the golf cart bell. You can't ring the mentholated deep heat and heating. Well, for for those at home too young to remember when no medicine tasted good, and you talked about the good ones, there was this black licorice tar of some sort that I'd have what? to take. It was this black licorice. It was it was like the black version of cherry. The Smith Brothers, remember the Smith yeah. Brothers who yes. made a fortune. By yes. making candy that did nothing for you, but every right. month bought it for colds. Well, they had a black version that was just, I hate black licorice. And that's what this tasted like. Ugh. Oh, It probably was. I would rather eat hot asphalt in the summertime than this particular Mr. Smith's Brothers. And I think that was my mom's way of getting back at me for faking that I was sick or even sure. being sick because sure. that was an inconvenience as well. And I think she was like, here, take this. And then she giggled and got on the phone with her girlfriends and said, yeah, I made him take one of those. He'll be in school tomorrow. You know yeah. he'll be in school tomorrow. He'll, his ass will be out of that bed in no time. But well, you know that uh, you, you can trust the Smith brothers because they both had big beards. Yes, and they've been around forever. <laughs> For a hundred years. Why would you think? You look at the picture of those guys on the boxing. Why would you think those guys knew anything about modern medicine? <laughs> It was like, wait, is it the fact that they came up with this, uh, you know, 150 years ago, a bad thing? Haven't we learned anything since? But well, the good news is it replaced castor oil, which which <laughs> yeah. you you always heard about, or if you yes. were watching an episode of uh, of our gang, that was like 
that yes. was the equivalent of capital punishment then. Or even Aunt B spooned a few uh, castor <laughs> oils to, sure. to Opie. Sure. Oh, yeah. Which I think, I, again, I think it was it was probably the equivalent to your mother using using that as a, as a light instrument of torture. Yes. Uh, all right, well, if you think you're sick, I'll show you. I'm going to make you take a tablespoon <laughs> yeah. of this shit. I'll get you out of the house. <laughs> exactly. For those who can't even conceive of how bad medicine tasted in our time, I had a neighbor, the Mr. Fowler, who invented the candy spoon so that you could take the candy spoon was <laughs> a spoon made out of cherry juice. You know, it was like a, a hard, just like Mr. Smith's cherry uh, medicine is if you sucked on this spoon, it would disappear like sugar. But oh. so you know how they say a spoonful of sugar makes a medicine go down. Well, sure. I think this guy watched Mary Poppins and said, "Wait, what if I made a spoon out of sugar?" And so he made this cherry flavored spoon as the way for kids to take medicine. Thought he was gonna make a fortune. Had bought he 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 ordered boxes and boxes. In fact. I think he came up with this idea in the mid-60s. By the late 70s, his garage was still full <laughs> of boxes of candy spoons. And every now and then, if you were playing around in the, you know, the, the Fowler house and you got hungry, you were like, well, hey, come, you know, here, we got a garage full of candy. And so we'd go and we'd have a candy spoon. Uh, did it taste okay? Yeah, it tasted like cherry. It tasted better than cherry medicine because it didn't have any medicine in it. Basically, it was just cherry sugar. It was like a, I don't know why that didn't catch on. That, that it was like a like tootsie like, pop. Uh, with, it was a tootsie pop with no chocolate, but shaped like a spoon. But I mean, that's the kind of brilliance that was stirring around my neighborhood as a kid, and, <laughs> and just sat in this boxes in his in his garage for decades. Yeah, unused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, uh, <laughs> later after after the Miami escapades, and I went to a boarding school up in Indiana. It was a military school, a, a girls' school and a boys' school. But the boys, it was it was military. And I always say that my 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 family life was so crazy that I I sent myself to military school. I'm sure I've said that. <laughs> so. So uh, I went, went willingly. Great school. Turned out to be a great, great school. I still go back to reunions and see oh. a number of guys every year. Uh, a, lot, uh, a lot of great people at Carolina were Culver and, grads. Exactly. And, uh, but the trouble, <laughs> the problem with it was, you know, it's, it's a campus. So you were living in a dorm and, and the infirmary was like, you know, a quarter mile away, not a very far walk. It was about a mile away if you were one of the if you were a girl. That their, their their campus was far, but in the middle of winter in northern Indiana, with the lake effect, and it's twenty degrees below zero in in late January, and you wake and you wake up at six thirty in the morning, and you go, oh no, oh god, I'm you know. I've really got to get to the infirmary. Now you've got 15 minutes to get dressed and snowstorm, whatever, <laughs> walk into the wind, get to the infirmary. And your, your mantra is, please don't let her be there. 
please let this be her day off. And the her was, you, you, you couldn't make the name up, Miss A-Bear. And she was a bear. A-Bear. And she was, she, she knew every trick in the book. She, but, but unfortunately, her, her, her mantra was no one, no one is sick. Everyone is trying to get out of something. Oh. Uh, uh, I'm, 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 it's a rare morning that I'm actually going to put a kid in bed. And I actually had the flu while I was there. And I actually did stay, stay, stay there a few nights, which was a very scary hell on earth. Uh, uh, your first year there when she, she's the one attending you, but, but you just, uh, it was, it was a nightmare scenario of trying to get to that place. And it was just so, it was so cold and just dark. And, you know, I, it was not, it wasn't your typical, uh, go see the high school nurse. Yeah, no, no. In fact, I can't even remember if I ever, I remember my elementary school nurse, Miss Wright, but I don't remember any nurse after that. I don't think I ever. Who were they, school. do you think? Who, who were the school nurses? First of all, and I don't know, I, hopefully. They were just moms will... in the neighborhood. Who I, well, you know, I don't know. Friend. They were called nurses. They, yeah. Did they have an RN? I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. Or were they just somebody? I, they couldn't I, find I, anybody else. I think that the lunch lady position was already taken. <laughs> and they said, but, you know, we could use a nurse. Oh, right. I could do that. Yeah, you can dispense aspirin and and advice. Yeah, it's all you, the only the only thing is you can't be squeamish at the sight of blood. If that's <laughs> if if that's not a problem, you're good. You don't even have to right. give anybody shots. You don't have to take blood. But if a kid comes in with you know part of his arm missing, you can't faint. You have to at least call the parents. Okay, well that leads then to what I mentioned uh, at the start, which is the boo boo part of, of the conversation. So, huh, I'm going to have uh, our producer edit this out. If I've already told her, but I don't think I have. I'm five years old, and we live across the street from a vacant lot. And my brother and oh, his best a- friend, my brother's ten years old, and my brother's best friend Murray Cohen, they're both in fifth grade. I'm in kindergarten and we've got nothing else to do. And the someone, the suggestion comes up, Hey, let's have a dirt clod fight. Yo, yeah, that's always good. And so, you know, we're going to play army and I went everywhere back in the day wearing a Marine world war two combat helmet, plastic, <laughs> plastic, of yeah. course. I, you know, yeah. I would, if I'd worn a real one, I, I wouldn't have been able to walk. But and, and I and I you know it was one of those things where like I'm sure my brother would just roll his eyes because if we went to a restaurant I would wear it if we went to Sears I would wear it if you know I they wouldn't let me wear it at school but but or kindergarten but I, I but I would have if, if, they, right. if they had let me and of course it's the one day that I don't wear it and so we get we get about you know ten yards apart and we you know that's it's. it's undeveloped it's but it's great clods i mean good clumps of dirt and you know you're kind of behind you a little bit of a bunker and they're behind their bunker and you're lobbing them like grenades that you've seen in the movies with the straight arm i don't know why you couldn't throw them like a baseball but you you lobbed them with a straight straight arm over your head and at one point i just made the mistake of peering up and looking up 
and this clod came in and it had a <laughs> rock in it oh. and it hit me in the forehead. And I guess, you know, you later learn that's the home of, of millions of capillaries so that the blood really does tend to gush out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So memory is a little foggy. I remember Murray carrying me back across the street to our house. He had a red, you know, sorry, red. He had a white T-shirt on covered in blood. Cool. They, 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 they bring me in. And my brother says, take him to the, the, the bathroom down the hallway. And he drops me on the bathroom floor. I'm just bleeding on the bath mat, and, you know, and they round up my father, wherever he is. And who's uh, who's home. My mother's teaching school. So my dad races, you know, t- takes me, throws me in the you know, front seat of the car. No seatbelt, of course. We're racing to the hospital. He's going pretty fast. And I'm, I remember saying, you know, don't you think we're going to get a speeding ticket? And he said, don't worry, son. If we're stopped, it'll be okay. They're going to let you go. Meanwhile, my mother, unbeknownst to any of us, had a dream the night before that I had died. Whoa. I, you know, I, parents maybe once in a while have something like just a the nightmare scenario when you have a nightmare about it. And My so mom daydreamed about it all the time. She comes home, and it's, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the little girl next door is sort of standing out in front of her house, and she sees my mother, and she goes, is Donnie all right? (laughs) And my mother's like, what do you mean? Yeah, that's right out of the Well, he got taken to the hospital. And so my mother runs inside. She goes past down the hallway, looks out the side of her eye at the bathroom floor and sees it covered in blood. Oh, it, the only thing that could be better is if it were twin girls that went up to your mom and asked. Her. <laughs> uh, uh, where is she today? She's still five years old. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> there, there's not much end of the story. I got like, uh, uh, like, I like, uh, like 11 stitches and, and so it was a pretty big cut and it must've yeah. been a pretty, must've been a pretty big rock. Uh, uh, but, but, uh, I, you know, I, I just, it was, it was not a good, uh, that was not a good the, day. The one day you didn't wear your helmet. My exactly. God. Exactly. Oh. Well, that reminds I had all me. kinds of things. We all did. I, stitches and knees and, you know, <laughs> broken ankles and it happened to everybody. I, it happened to my son when he was two. Maybe, maybe almost three. And uh, I guess, no, he was closer to two. And one day, one night, evening, we're sitting in the family room watching TV. And I think Karen's cooking dinner. And Jackson's climbing on the sort of low back chair that's really more of a, a section of a sectional. And he kind of climbs over the top. And it's not, it's like, you know, two feet down to the, the floor anyway. But he just happens to kind of, tip over on it and uh uh he he puts his arm down and hits it just right and it breaks his forearm and and you know at the time you obviously don't know if it's broken or not you don't even know and so he he's not talking at at this point and 
and you're kind of trying to judge, well, what is, are you okay, hon? You know, you know, you're holding him and everything's going to be all right. And then, you know, it's like a typical boo-boo where you fall. And, and like, you know, within a couple of minutes, it's like, no, this is still hurting him. I think we need to go to the ER. So we go down to the ER and he's not bawling, but, but clearly, again, really uncomfortable. And the main thing, the two main things I remember out of the yeah. incident, one is getting pulled aside, husband and wife, separately. I think I was pulled aside three times by three different people and said and, and asked, how did this happen? You know, really being, I mean, God bless them. You know, they I, I just making sure, like, you know, did you grab your kid? Did you, you know, I mean, it, 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 it was actually, in hindsight, great knowing. And you kind of knew when you were there why they were asking that. I mean, I, I, it's just, of course, those that they want to know, what is this? And they've seen all kinds of things. So, but then we go into the x-ray room and uh, he was, you know, very uncomfortable and, you know, the, the, the lights and the, you know, the giant machine that he's underneath. And the doctor says, you're going to need to kind of lean over and just kind of put gentle pressure on him so that he stays really, really still. And all I remember is him just kind of like looking up at me. And all I could think about was him thinking, you're, you're supposed to be my protector. Why, why are you doing this? I, I will never get that image out of my head. I, it was just, it's the worst. It's the worst when you have no control over the situation and your child is in any way sick or endangered or, you know, I just, oof, wow. Oh, yeah. I, I remember Caroline was standing up in, out of her high chair and we're trying to coax her down and she slips and her chin just... Oof hits the side of I can't remember whether it hit her high chair or or the actual table but it was bad and we felt like the worst parents in the world because we allowed this you know we were trying to save her and then we should have grabbed her but we were just trying to talk her down and she slipped we take her to the hospital she's just in you know, just in terrible pain, crying and crying. She was too young to tell us what was right, happening. You right. know, that, that age where you're just like, I just, you know, like with a pet, I wish they could tell me what they're feeling. And I know that she was in horrible, horrible pain. And we get her in there and they, they, they take her chin and they're like securing her chin and, and, you know, doing the x-rays and then they have to give her a big needle but I couldn't believe how calm she yeah. was when it came to this needle. I was like, wow, this is a trooper. Because she sees this needle and she just sat there still as could be while they injected this needle into her. I, you know, I would have been a basket case. Yeah, of course. Case I would have had to leave the room. <laughs> because the needle was half her size. And, uh, but yes, that's when I said, this girl's a trooper. And uh, it all ended up fine. Nothing ended up being wrong. But we were afraid she had, you know, broken her jawbone right. or something. Right. And, you know, it's funny because you said, again, in hindsight, you know, maybe you should have, like, reached up or jumped up. And I like the same with Jackson. It was just kind of like, he's going to be okay. Oh, shit. He's not okay. You know, I mean, it's just Until like he you're, you're, you're so used to seeing it and seeing, you know, I just, you can't walk around. You know, some parents try. God knows I was, uh, I, I, I think I've said this before, I am the poster child of the helicopter parent. 
but uh you know but you can't like have him wear a suit of marshmallows uh, uh right. wherever they go <laughs> but, but and, and, and you know nine times out of ten everything works out so you always think oh if we just talk to her gently she'll sit back down we forget the fact that she you know to her ears all she hears is blah 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 right. blah blah she can't make it she can't understand words and uh <laughs> and she just boom in one second, you realize how bad you were doing as a parent. Right. <laughs> but fortunately, it did work out in the long run. But man, it could have been devastating. She could have crushed her jawbone. You never know. You're talking about, you know, getting hurt. There was a, we used to play, I talked about cemetery tag in yeah. the past. We also played a game called bicycle tag, which was, you did you play this one where you ride around in the streets and the guy who's it has to run into another bike and then that bike is it and then they have to run and everybody's swerving, trying to get out of the way, riding the bike really fast, looking behind you to make sure the guy isn't catching up. This sounds like so something we played on the courtyard got... of, uh, of, 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 of juvenile uh, detention centers. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, these were, this was played in the mean streets of okay. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Barkley so the Fox. answer is no, no, we did not play flag tag, but I do have a good bicycle injury uh, uh, story, but but please, okay. after you. Well, this was a case where everybody swerve and then do it. Of course we do it, and there's all these cars parked in the street, which was made it twice as fun until Glenn Orr's older brother, Craig Orr, gets them to the point where I'm going to get my brother because there's a certain, you know, extra thrill if sure. you totally bash your brother within the game. It's a game within a game. And he gets his brother. He has his sights on Glenor. Glenor's trying to get away. He looks behind him and rips his shoulder into the tail fin of oh, a Cadillac. Oh, oh. Oh. It could have been a Lincoln Continental. I don't remember. I just know it was one of those classic tail fins that was, that was totally, uh, you know, just not the kind of it was wing death metallic wing death and it it ripped his shoulder to the point you could see the white stuff before the blood came out and once the blood started flowing like you said the white shirt became just a red rag of bloody just everything was just coming out and we all were like Holy <laughs> crap. all of us we all just like you got this? Yeah, because fortunately they were probably about, eh, they were probably on the same block that they lived. And so Craig Gore took his brother, ran him into the house, and all of us just dispersed home. We were like, okay, let's get out of here. So the, the they got him to his mom and he got to a hospital. And uh, actually, I think his dad was home. His mom wasn't home, but it all worked out for the best. But man, did he have a, Oh, he took a rip on that. God, you know, that reminds me of, uh, I was in junior high. We lived in this big apartment complex and it must've been like a Saturday afternoon. All the kids were around and two kids, of course, got into a big fight. And so the, yeah. the word spreads out across the compound and, and the compound next door too. There was the villas apartments and the waterside apartments. And so just flooding in. And of course, you know, they're, there, so there's probably 20 kids sort of gathered around these two kids, and I'm one of them, mostly relieved that I'm not one of the two who are, who are in the fight. And uh, and I'm standing there, and some kid pulls up 
on his stingray. And uh, uh, he, he comes in behind me and he hits on the brakes, but it had been raining the night before, so the grass was wet. And it just basically just barely kind of slowed to a stop, but not enough so that the wheel went between my legs. I was facing away from him. And the, the axle of the front wheel was threaded and it dug itself about a third of an inch, I'll say. It wasn't a quarter and it wasn't a half through my leg at about where the calf is attached. But, not, but, but, but it was the side of the leg, so it didn't really affect the calf muscle. And it was one of those moments, and I was going to ask it, it probably happened to this kid too where at first it's just like, what the hell? You know, why, 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 you know, couldn't you stop that thing? And just, you scratched me yeah. and you look down and I could kind of see the bone. And I just, that's what we I just remember going, ah, you know, just screaming. And it wasn't until I yes. looked at it that it hurt. We saw bone and like white layers and then it got pink and blood started I don't know how I got home. I somehow, because I was kind of a few buildings over, but my mother was there and she took me, the, she took, this time it was her turn. My father had not had a dream that I died the night before. And, uh, but she took me to the hospital and I got 27 stitches, 27 stitches. Whoa. And what was essentially maybe a two inch scar. I, I can, as I'm talking about it, I can still, you know, it's a, it's a phantom injury. I can still feel it if, it, if I talk about it. I can Whoa. know exactly where it is. I don't have to look. It's right. It's exactly, you know, two inches above my ankle. So it was, you know, it's a wonder. It's a wonder we didn't, you know, I mean, more things didn't happen. I just, you know, it's. it's now, did you get any school time? I'm off? sure I must have, but I'm also sure I was back on crutches. I, you know, my, that's, oh, that'll be the, that'll be the one. One of the early chapters in my uh, autobiography, uh, uh, <laughs> a life, a life on crutches. You must have been nicknamed Crutch. Come <laughs> was, on, man! It wasn't quite that bad. Crutch Wooder. There were certainly there were times where, where, where. Well, I do remember actually. All right, so I, I still had the crutches. I had them, you know, for many years because you never know what was going to happen. And I do remember uh, one year in, in junior high, they were going to have a track meet, and I volunteered to be the high jumper, and I would use the the crutch in my bedroom, sort of set it up with the chair and do the Fosbury flop over, the, over, over the oh, crutch. Yeah. So there were some positive things about the experience, you know. There you go. Yeah, Dick Fosbury, yeah. love that. Exactly. Guy. So I, I, uh, oh. I, I, when we were thinking about this and talking initially, I, I, you know, when when we go to dinner now with other people our age, I make it a point to look at my watch when we sit down. And then I know how many minutes it was before somebody brought up their medical condition. Oh God, yes. We're we repeat the sins of our parents. It's unbelievable. It is it's such a sign. I don't know, did I think it happened at sixty maybe because it 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 it's it and, and you know we we my wife and I We'll always kind of go. Remember, just don't let's not let the conversation lead to that. If other people want to bring bring those things up, that's fine. But that it really is, and it's. I mean, it's a. You know, I described you know uh, an episode or two ago what a clam is. It's an overused joke that you hear too many times. Yeah. It's a clam. There's a clam 
older people sitting around and talking about their their injury, you know, their 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 uh, ailments, you know, their, latest, their procedures, you know that that kind of thing. I have I have a good list of them. I and, and I will, you know, it, it's a. Uh, uh, it, <laughs> but what are you going to do? It's it's a it's. It's it's the uh, it's the eight hundred pound gorilla in the living room. It's the <laughs> it's the curse of the age because I can remember as a kid going, why do the adults sit around and talk about who died, who's got the gout, who's you know just had surgery? They didn't have hip surgeries back then, but everybody had some kind of ailment or a surgery or a, a passing. And I swore that that, you know, I hope I never get to be that age. Well, I'm that age. And I just six of us, you know, three couples gathered for New Year's dinner and surgeries came up. ailments came up and, uh, you know, we're all guilty of it. And I'm glad that you are, are, are bucking the trend, my friend. I'm going to pandemics. I'm going to the original pandemic of our childhood, which was the Hong Kong flu. Do you remember the Hong Kong flu? I do. I can't remember exactly when it was. 1968 and 69. Wow. Killed up to 4 million people globally. And, wow. And negatively impacted the lives of my mom and my brother. They were laid out with the Hong Kong flu. And at the same time, the a Paul was over the Casey house, but it didn't keep my dad from going to work every single day. That guy was like a machine. It, he was in the same gray suit, not the same gray suit, but he owned about 10 suits and nine of them were gray and one was black to wear to funerals. And that was it. And he went he went about his business and my mom and dad were, I mean, my dad, my mom and brother were laid out. So I went down to the breakfast table with my dad one morning and I said, I'm going to, in my mind, I go, I'm going to get a little something from this Hong Kong flu. I think I might have to stay home today. I think I might have to stay home for a while like my brother's doing. So I tell my dad, I'm not feeling so good because I know my dad won't really think about it too much. He'll be like, are you okay? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't have much of an appetite, but I ate just enough so that I could, you know, have some breakfast. And I'm like, I don't really know that I'm going to make it to school today. And my dad was like, well, that's fine. Just, you know, take it easy. I don't want you getting sick like, you know, your mom and your brother. I'm like, yeah, I, I better not go into school. So I go upstairs. I got half the plan figured out. I know my mom is too sick to really do any kind of, she'd be like, okay, yeah, just lie down. I hope you don't get what I have. And sure. So I'm free and clear. My brother's in his room. My mom's in her room. I got a whole day of TV and games and I'm not going to school. So I don't go to school. Well, I don't go to school the next day. And then I don't go to school the day after that. And that's when I pushed it a little too far because I'm healthy as a horse, but I'm just acting like I'm sick to everybody. And karma. Oh, and I have a TV in my room. I have this little plastic TV. What? That that actually started smelling like burnt rubber if you had it on too long. I'm kind of <laughs> sure that it was is about as healthy as secondary smoke. But it was in my room and I, so I'm watching all this TV and I'm playing games and 
about the fourth day, my mom goes, well, I better call Dr. Nielsen because your brother and I aren't getting any better. I think we might have the Hong Kong flu and uh, and you might have it too. And I'm like, well, okay, this isn't good. Can't have a doctor coming looking at me. So doctor, this is so this is 68. Doctors are still making house calls. Our general sure. practitioner, Dr. Gleason comes by. He looks at my mom. He looks at my brother. I know I'm next. I'm like, oh my God, this is not good. This is, you know, I'm rocking back and forth. How is this going to play out? So, you know, there's a hot water bottle when you need one. Because I'm not only faking I'm sick, but my poor mom, who really is sick, has been waiting on me a little bit to to boot. You bastard. So, so Dr. Gleason comes by and he starts giving me the old hmm, huh, huh, as he's like poking around (laughs) my ears and my throat and my eyes and, you know, Dr. Gleason was, uh, you know, he was probably a very good card player because he doesn't, you know, give me any kind of hint as to what the prognosis is. He just disappears. And then I hear him talking to my mom at the bottom of the stairs and I'm up <laughs> in the second floor bedroom with my ear to the you know, frame going, trying to get any word I can. And I can tell it's not sounding good. <laughs> so. My mom starts coming up the stairs after Dr. Gleason leaves, and I hop back in bed and pull the covers over and start moaning and groaning. And my mom walks up and goes, well, I had a very interesting conversation with Dr. Gleason. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, what's up? What's wrong with me? And she goes, well, actually, I think he said that if we if we were just to remove the TV from your room, you'd be better in an instant. <laughs> oh my goose was cooked it was all over busted (laughs) and did they remove it they removed it from my room my mom my, my mom and brother were actually very very sick and uh, I'm lucky I didn't catch something just hanging out in the house for three or four days with them. That's, you know, again, that's, you know, that's, that's what karma will get you. But, but also I, I don't, I don't really remember. I, I remember the term Hong Kong flu. I guess yeah. I just, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't have enough people. I, it, it, it didn't it, hit it, home. In my life. Maybe nobody had it in your house. Well, you know, something. the only thing worse than the Hong Kong flu was if you had the Hong Kong flu and the corn. Oh, that would be too much. I don't think that the survival rate for that was about 0.003%. I guess all of this points up, and I have to say this because eventually my wife will listen to this episode, but because I, I and I meant to kind of kick it off by asking what kind of patient are you? Because I am, I am a big baby, I guess is probably the best way to say it. I, I can't lie. I, I, I really need, I, I need to know that someone is there and, and, and at least is aware of my anguish. You know, yeah, that, that's all male. Don't, don't act as if nothing's wrong with me. That, that will set me off. That is all males, <laughs> my friend. Now, I'm lucky because I barely ever get sick. I'm like my dad. My dad was like, forget it. He was a machine. I'm not a machine, but I don't get sick. I got sick more often as a kid than I do as an adult. I hardly ever, yeah. probably because I was in school rooms and you know around other kids. But I don't get right. sick much. But when I do, oh, I, I must be taken care of. I get a little bell and I ring it, you know, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> soup, soup, please. 
And, uh, yeah, yeah, I am in misery yeah. I, because I don't get yeah. sick much. When I do get sick, it feels like I'll never get well again. Well, I used to do like an annual kind of thing. I was accused of it anyway. But but then obviously when, when COVID hit, ironically, of course, I, you know, that's when I really stopped getting sick. I didn't get the flu. I didn't. And I always got a flu shot anyway. But but, you know, you're wearing a mask everywhere. You're not. And then I think, well, <laughs> for me, you know, I went I, I was again, talk about poster child of COVID protection. I wore a mask everywhere, get on a plane, forget about it. I mean, all those things I did right. And then finally, when the restrictions really kind of eased off and you felt a little safer and they had the vaccinations out and you felt a little more, you know, you felt invulnerable again. I I uh, went to a uh, They Might Be Giants concert because I have a friend who plays trombone for them when they travel. And uh, it was here in this great venue called the Orange Peel in Asheville. Probably a thousand people, I don't know, standing room only. And it's packed. Oh. It's, I mean, it's shoulder to shoulder. I'm off to the side in the VIP section, which really means they just set up some bar stools behind a red rope. And yeah. you can actually get to sit. You can get to sit down because you're over 60. <laughs> and and uh, But I'm thinking the thought balloon is, oh, this is what they mean by a super spreader event. <laughs> So uh, about five days later, I'm really sick. I'm just, oh, man. And i sick enough that I do go in. I do the walk-in at, at my internist. And my doctor isn't there, but I get this other doctor. And they say, well, look, let's just, because uh, I just had the symptoms of just the throat especially was bad. And I was coughing. And he said, let's, I'm going to test you for COVID. And I'm going to test you for strep. And I'm going to test you for the flu. So. So he, he tests me that, you know, the swabs that, you know, that been, you know, the, I don't want to say that his swab was big, but you know, he used two hands to, you know, to oh. kind of wedge it, wedge it up in there. And, it's, and then they do the scratch thing on the throat for the strep. And, you know, you're, you're it's, you know, it's every, everything but a, 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 a prostate exam. And uh, we're injected <laughs> and disrespected. And exactly. And about uh, 20 minutes later, he, uh, opens the door, he stands in the doorway and he goes, well, I've never seen this, but you've got the trifecta. Whoa. You have all three. <laughs> and, the, and the only thing, and the only thing I remember after that is he kind of looked at me with disdain and said, it's going to take an hour to disinfect this room. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to harsh your high. I, uh, Whoa. <laughs> you know, if, if I weren't feeling so poorly, I'd, I'd get down on my hands and knees and clean it up myself. I, you know, <laughs> what a thing to say. Oh, there, there, that guy was clearly not, not there on the, on the first day for bedside manner. Back not in at all. That, that is a crazy thing to say. <laughs> and it went away, it went, you know, right away. I, you know, took not Paxlovid, but because you can't do it as a heart patient, but, but there's an equip, there's an equivalent. How dare you exactly. come to my office when you're not feeling What right. are all these sick people doing here? <laughs> I'll tell you, I will say this. My daughter, who is kind enough and skilled enough to produce this, this podcast, I asked her, I said, did you ever fake sick days? And she was like, never. And I was, you know, kind of shocked that, you know, the apple fell very far from the tree. Yeah, really. Because I faked sick days as much as I had sick days. And she was like, I never did. But I tell you what, I one time was really sick and I missed like four days of school. And I 
said, I just can't afford to keep missing school. And she, she had gotten gone to the doctor and the doctor said, you can't go to school, you know, for like, you know, another two days. But after like one of those days, she tried to sneak out because wow. my wife sleeps late. I'm up early. She thought she'd hit that sweet spot between me leaving for work and, and mom not being quite awake yet and slip out and go to school. But it didn't work out. I was still there when she was getting ready to go to school. And I noticed it. And I said, you can't go to school. She goes, well, no, I feel fine. I'm like, no, the doctor said you had to stay home. All of a sudden, I got responsible once I was a parent. And I was like, no. So I, I kept her home. But that's the kind of trooper she was. She never faked. She actually tried to go to school when she was sick. <laughs> I guess they didn't have Dick Van Dyke reruns, and so it just wasn't I guess, worse day. Well, maybe, maybe. Well, there's certainly more channels to look at, though. I mean, that, were. I, I will. You know, there are exceptions to every rule. Yeah, Carolina is an exception. That, I, I've never, I've never heard of such a thing. She, she goody two shoes. I'm telling you. <laughs> Well, I think I was a goody two shoes, but God knows I I would n I would never sneak off and go to school. Oh that's, that's insane. That is insane. But you know, she did say the shows she watched as a kid when on sick days were uh reruns of Friends and huh. and Gilmore Girls, which was a little little and but like you said, she could have watched DVD, she could have watched, you know, anything sure. she wanted. And but no, I'd rather go to school. Well, you know, and pity her, she never got to watch an episode of The Virginian. Yes, Rick Jason or not, but she must have. <laughs> she must have had some damn good teachers, is all I can say. Yeah, really. Well, you did. You did something right. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not taking any credit for that. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. Uh, one reason we had this episode, not only is Don sick, it seems like every third person I know is sick these days. Uh, just hope everybody gets healthy, speedy recoveries, and stay safe out there. Well, we've come to another storybook ending. Thanks for stopping by the Stories Unlimited podcast. That's Stories, U-N-L-T-D. We'd appreciate you following us on Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts and email us at storiesunltd at gmail.com.